Hello, welcome to Would Like to Meet podcast. I'm your host, Mairead Lockman, matchmaker and dating specialist, and the founder of lovehq.ie. I've successfully sent over 6,000 people on dates since 2016, with countless engagements, babies, marriages, long-term relationships, and millions of kisses along the way. This podcast will help men and women to embrace their single life, ensure positive dating experiences, have great relationships, never miss a romantic opportunity again, and most of all, help you to find real long-term love with your someone special. For anyone who's done my masterclass, they know that I'm all about starting a relationship as you, as you mean to go on. So the one thing that I find that can really create a strain at the very beginning of a relationship is money. So today I have Owen McGee, author of How to Be Good with Money with me. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, very good. Delighted to be here to talk about money and relationships, relationships two of my favourite things. And dating and being <laughs> single and all these lovely things. Money and relationships, fantastic. Well, look, let's get started. Uh, we said we'd chat today about the cost of being single and quite simply, it costs more to be alone. Is that correct? Or what, what do you yeah, think yourself? Like, think about the simple things. Like think about... The world is kind of geared up to have two people doing things together at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like you've got lots of things like whether it's even down to sharing a Netflix account or it's going for dinner. Going for dinner can be a little bit different, but you Mm -hmm. can always like share dessert. Do you know what I mean? Like everything is geared up towards the couple and the couple being the most important thing and even stays in hotels Mm -hmm. when you have to pay um, extra money because you've got mm-hmm. a single supplement and you don't want to share with your mates yeah. and it's just the world doesn't is not designed for us to be on our own and therefore it can really be difficult financially when you're trying to get ahead mm-hmm. if you're on your own and it's very unfair to be like let's be really clear about it it's very unfair how these things work and how if we don't if we don't make really good money by ourselves it can be much more difficult just to do the same things as couples get to do it together. It can, because see, a lot of people come to me for matchmaking. Like they might be in their, you know, come of all ages basically, but like the majority would say, you know, from the 30s upwards. Like I think a lot of people would have liked to have lived on their own kind of when from 30 onwards, we would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of people financially, it's not an option for them, especially if they're living in Dublin. So they're in a situation where they still have to, to either still live with or live with lots of mates or have a shared house mm. or pay huge rents or and let's not we'll, yeah. we'll talk about mortgages at some stage but yeah well that might be a different topic completely yeah but no sh- sharing rent and, and getting the luxury of living alone mm-hmm. as a single person is something that's incredibly difficult to achieve and I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on mortgages but there was a startling figure in the papers a couple of weeks ago that said you have to if you were, you're a single person wanting to buy a house mm. in Ireland now you have to be in the top 10% of earners now, just let that sink in for a minute. That means that insane. 90% of single people cannot buy a house. Like, that, that just, just doesn't fathom. And we're not talking about, we're talking about, like, we're like teachers yeah, we're not talking and nurses. Like, yeah. And these are people who are who I would imagine are not in the top 10%. I yes. think that's a reasonable assumption that they're not in the top Absolutely. 10% of earners because we don't pay them enough. Yeah. So what I would say is, is that it, it is stacked against you. Um, and it can feel really hard. And when I look mm. at like some of the questions on Instagram, it's often single people. Is there ever any hope for me to be able to get mm-hmm. ahead and to be able to look after it? And it does feel unfair. Do you know why? Because it is unfair. It is. I actually was reading an article there recently in one of the newspapers saying that 
in some ways it actually might be easier to live in a hotel than to rent an apartment in Dublin on your own. There was a number, that was about a year ago actually I remember seeing yeah. that, there was a number where someone took a specific hotel, worked out how much it would be to stay there every night yes. and worked out that when you take light and heat and everything else into account. You and you have your gym and you have your option of you know whatever else, getting laundry done and everything. It's not a bad idea, like yeah. <laughs> and particularly like if you're trying to date and you just want to walk around randomly around town, you have somewhere nice to stay and go back I to afterwards. Uh, any ladies that might be listening that may have ever uh, arrived home to a gentleman's house we will say they may have been happy if there had been someone in to, to change the bed sheets in the last six months but anyway <laughs> well it depends many people have been in the bed in the last oh, six months okay. I suppose <laughs> Um, but no, it is, and it's everything stacked against you. Yeah, you're you're of kind course. of stuck, and you're kind of you feel like you want to get ahead. And how do you get mm-hmm. ahead financially when everything, like even tender? What was the thing someone said to me? Um, that on a cruise, if you're a single, there's a spoilage char- charge. I think is what it is. A really, spoilage chart. Charge. Okay. Like, what does that tell to your single guest on a cruise ship? Yeah. Um, yeah, crazy. you're spoiling this. We're going to charge you a spoiler charge, and that was just like you've destroyed the race on us, and we can't get as much is out that of as you. Well, though, because all like the knock-on effect then is also on the cruise. So if there was two people sharing that room, that have doubled the amount of drinks while they're yes. there. So it's like a charge, basically making up for the whole extra stuff, not yeah. just the room. Of course, of it is. and that's exactly charge. where it is. And then you'd be, well, I don't know, is it fair to say that single people are less likely? to engage in this exact same amount of stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. they will, maybe they'll do more, maybe they'll do more of the tours. And that's just yeah. the, the cruise company saying, we want couples, okay. we don't want singles. Perfect. And therefore Perfect. you're spoiling our marketing plan. So we're going to charge you a spoilage charge. It's Horrible. insane. So what do you kind of recommend? Like say you are single, okay? We're talking about renting here now, right? Say like a lot of my clients would be young professionals in Dublin and they're in a situation where like they do want to start getting ahead. Like is there anything you'd say, okay, the first steps to like blank canvas, here's your salary coming in each month. Is there anything you'd say this is the direction we should be going? Well, what I would say is, is if you're a single person and you want to, and you're looking to meet someone, right? And you're looking to rent and you can't do it by yourself. If you're female and you're a professional and you're a heterosexual female, I'd suggest you find a house with three lads in it, three single lads. And that's your best bet from the start, right? (laughs) We're going to solve the housing crisis here now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, No, I think think that the reality is is that you have to live your life. Okay. And finances can hold you back and there are decisions you make. And it's about balancing up the decisions. It's about deciding what's important to me, what's not important to me. It's about doing that trade-off between, okay, do I really, really value my kind of my isolation, if you want to call it that? Yep. Do I value my kind of just being alone and getting mm-hmm. my own time? And if so, that might mean I have to move much further outside the city. Yes. Or do I value my social life and meeting with friends and being able to get home really quickly? And therefore, the trade-off there is, is am I happy to move in with other people? Yeah. Okay. And that, unless you're on a ridiculous wage, they are usually the trade-offs that you're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Do I look at social life or do I look at my kind of private life, my private time on Which my own. Which you're going to get most value of yes. overall. And there are different phases in your life. There are yeah. times in your life where you're going to say, no, I just need to be near town. And I and I know COVID changes at all, but it'll all get back to normal. I need to be near town. I want to be close to something. And therefore the trade-off for me financially is, is I'm going to have to share with other people. Yeah. Ideally, you meet with people who are like-minded and yeah. that have share some similar interests. And you, you kind of start to become friends with them if you don't know them already. Or even better again, you do it with friends. Yes. Um, there is a kind of a, there is a suggestion there. And when I'm doing with private clients in that situation there is a suggestion there that when they go out and do it 
with people that they don't know, it can be much better for them to spread their wings a little bit more. Well, anybody that's ever listened to anything that I do, I'm almost like the key to finding love is the more people you're talking to, the better the chances. And it's not necessarily like guys need to chat with ladies and ladies need to chat with guys because each person you meet, if you go out on a night out, the chances are they're going to introduce you to a few people they know from work or worked with years ago and everything. So yeah, you're totally extending your social circle. Yeah, it's like um, I, had a, I had a client who very successful had been doing really well and the company changed structure and he got let go, yeah. right? And very senior executive. And I slagged him. He went, Nick married with kids and everything, right? But he went dating all the people he used to work with. And what I mean by that, yeah. it, was, it was, can you meet me for lunch? And it was just, just want to catch up. Yeah, it's like I'm looking speed for work. dating for yeah. jobs. And yeah. he was looking for work. And if you think about it, there's lots of people who can do that really well professionally. Yes. But you take them out of that environment and stick them into go find a lifelong partner and they're very it's a very different situation Absolutely, so yeah. I would say I'm not saying by going to someone like you you are taking a professional approach yeah. to this and that's what you're doing but think about the amount of people that you're engaging with on a day-to-day basis think about the stage in life you're at, you're at and get in, put yourself in the best situation financially because remember there's no point in having an amazing apartment at the bottom of Grafton Street because you spend all your life in Grafton Street but you have no money to go out on Grafton Street then do you know what I mean so balance it up just yes. get out and about so yeah. you're saying maybe live a little bit more frugally we'll say in your living accommodation to get out there and have fun if that's a choice you have to make yes that's yeah that's absolutely and that's but that's the same across all the stuff I talk about with is, money. Yeah. when you think about money I think people will say to me what's the one thing I could change about my finances what could I do differently that would have the longest long term impact and I always talk about conscious and subconscious spending. Okay. okay. So conscious spending is where we intentionally buy something. Okay. And that's stuff like we thought about it. We think about it. I talk about the 72 hour rule. The 72 hour rule is I want to buy it, but I'm going to put it back. And in 72 hours, I'll go back and buy it. And if I still want it in 72 hours, that was an intentional conscious buy. Okay. I think that's really good because I think any ladies listening, um, some men, that started following influencers lately. I'd never really got into the whole trend of influencers. And so my friends were like, follow this person, follow this person. And I knew it was time to stop when I returned, I think it was over a thousand euros worth of shopping in one week. <laughs> I thought to myself, right, that's it. So what I'm listening I bet you used, to the 72 no, hour I, rule. <laughs> I bet you, the 72 hour rule is a brilliant one for that, particularly online shopping, because there's this, yeah. there's this phenomenon called hick and click. Okay. So I don't know if you've ever heard of hick and click. It's typically women, Typically nine o'clock. You're calling us hicks. Yeah, <laughs> kind of getting there. Typically women, typically nine o'clock on a Thursday evening. You're looking at the okay. world has opened up again. You're what am I going to wear on my date on Saturday, Saturday night? Saturday yeah. night. It's Thursday. If I order it now, it'll be here tomorrow. Yeah. And you go hick and click because you've okay. just had a glass of wine. Right? Oh, right. <laughs> so that's what hick and click is. And the, 70, no the, here, no. the 72-hour rule is the absolute opposite okay, of that. So what brilliant. the 72-hour rule is, is you've had your glass of wine yeah. and you say, I definitely want that. You put it into the basket and you leave it there. Okay. And now it's no good for Saturday that's night. That's no good on ASOS. But, They'll but get rid know, of it in an hour. So yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and that's what people say to me. But it'll be gone in 72 hours. Great. Put it was never meant list. to be. Yes, yeah. okay. It's like, it's like if someone doesn't turn up to a first date. It was never meant to be. So don't worry about them, right? But the point here is, is that that's how you start to control your conscious spending. There's Perfect. a whole pile of subconscious spending we also okay. do. Subconscious spending is, like you go into the shop to buy a Diet Coke and you come Impulse out with a Diet buying. Coke and you buy a packet of crisps or a yeah. bar of chocolate as well. You intentionally bought the Diet Coke, but you came out with the subconscious spend, which was the crisps mm-hmm. or the, 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 the bar of chocolate and what I would always say to people is is that 
people say and accuse me oh you're a financial planner you must be really tight with money and you don't spend and all yeah. no no the whole point is is that I really tightly try and control what my subconscious spending is okay okay so because if I spend less on stuff that I never really wanted that mm-hmm. never really added any value to my life I've much more money to spend on the things that do add value to my life yes okay and I can do them things nicer and I can enjoy them better and some people might be struggling well what's the conscious spending what's the subconscious if you're listening to this now take out your phone the next time you spend don't change your spending habits just take out your phone and put into your phone coffee 350 right yeah uh, into your notes yeah it? into your notes yeah. <clears throat> new dress 70 quid pair of jeans mm-hmm. 80 quid, whatever, right? And type it in. I don't know where you're getting jeans for 80 quid, but anyway, yeah, yeah. right? And you type it in and just don't change your spending. And in a week from today, take out your phone, look down through your notes yes. and pick out the things that if you are planning your spending next week, what things wouldn't make the list. Okay. That that's is your subconscious really spending. That's what subconscious spending I knew- is. I knew I kind of had to stop when I had to make a checklist of the returns coming back into my account. I, there was like 12 different things going 12 different directions and I literally had to tick them off. Okay, ASOS has come back, whatever, you know, different things. Like it it, it got that bad during lockdown. <laughs> but you know what is interesting? You had the discipline to send the stuff, maybe because you kind of went, Jane, that was a thousand quid. Yeah, like, if anybody off, knows I'm... the yellow chair in my office, I, they see the yellow chair. Yeah. If anybody knows the yellow chair in my office, when I couldn't see it anymore, I decided... That I Everything needs to go back. Everything. Yeah. Well, what I would say there is, is companies thrive off the fact that you put it in, you don't take the label off it. Yeah. And six months later, you're looking at it going, oh, I never wore that. Passed. Yeah, I never okay. wore that. And that's that's where really the, the, the 72 hour rule. The other rule yeah. that you need to think about just for you, and this mm-hmm. is, forget about your listeners, this one's for you, right? Yeah. You, you need to, if you need to not save your credit card details on your favorite shops. Oh God, okay. Okay. And if you say to me, Asher, it doesn't matter if I have them saved or not. Yeah. Because I know they them. All, they just pop up on but, the phone. You just have to remember the last three digits and boom. Yeah. Well, it's- Like got the password, done. Don't <laughs> save your credit card details okay. I remember doing this I was doing a presentation to a it was actually a group of women and I said don't save your credit card details and one of them ah no I only save it to my favourite sites oh you're getting it wrong yeah, like, know, you, need to, you need to not save it because yeah. if you save your credit card details he can click is 10 times easier like yeah. think about what I happens. think though people have to stop following influencers if I'm honest like I'm sorry influencers and everything but like I, there's one or two of them there that honestly, they're like QVC, they're on speed. Every night there's like a new outfit, there's makeup, there's this, and it's the lifestyle side of things. So but do you that, not maybe find that's with, my... Do you not find with those people though, that the ones that are just constantly churning it out, that they've just yeah. diluted the value of the... They do, absolutely. And it's actually when you're like, maybe sat down on a Sunday evening or a Thursday evening with your glass of wine um, or gin, which depends <laughs> on the preference. Um, but say you, then on a random Tuesday, like, you're in the office and you hear a beep or a ding dong on the doorbell and you're like I don't even know what this is that's when you know stop so what I would say if anybody is because I think there's a lot of ladies in their 30s 40s 50s that are in a situation they're they're literally like if you saw the amount of dresses and they're all fabulous honestly I uh, I think we need to talk about it more because like we all talk about gambling and everything I honestly looked at influencers lately and was like this has to stop so I've started unfollowing is what I've started Actually, doing. Actually, for, for any of your, your listeners who don't follow Joanne McNally, Joanne McNally Oh my God, is, hilarious. She's absolutely, Love she, And she's podcast. single and she talks about how she, how her, yeah. her single dating life is going. And did you, and see, her, did you see her sandals? 
didn't see herself. They're the best. <laughs> what was re- well, you just reminded me of a story a couple of months ago. She put up a post about the fact that, yeah, people like get drunk and they buy stuff online and like yeah. beautiful dresses arrive and this arrives. And she turned the camera around. She brought a Henry Hoover online when she was pissed <laughs> and the Hoover was in the corner of the room oh, and you're going oh my god but yeah no be careful about your hick and click do not save yeah, okay. your credit card details on any site never mind your favourite okay. site and if you know your credit card details off the top of your get head a new one. report it lost and get okay, a new one get a new one Actually, I used to manage a company a few years ago and every six months, the guy that owned the company would just cancel the credit card. And like I'd spend the next week getting emails going, you didn't pay for this, you didn't do that. And you're like, have to set it all up again. And I used to like, please stop doing that. But what he used to do is sign up to all these subscriptions for like masterclass and this, that and the other. And so it was actually a good thing because if yeah. there's stuff coming out of your account that you don't know what it's for, subscription yeah, and, based and one of the things I will say before we move off credit cards because anyone who, who mm-hmm. follows anything I say credit cards are the devil I don't yeah. like them at all you don't need them in this world you can do Definitely everything don't. you need with a debit card no. um, if you say to me oh but what about renting a car abroad you can do it without a credit card so get rid it, of them it is and people people will talk about the fact that oh no it's it's I use mine absolutely brilliantly and I do yeah, wait till something goes wrong in your life and see what happens to your credit card then yeah. get rid of the credit card okay get rid of all debt if you can really yeah, totally. except for your mortgage if that's yes, the case totally Perfect. Um, obviously, with being dating related and everything like that, um, a lot of couples are in a situation whereby they're starting out in a new relationships. So a lot of people that are listening are single, starting out in a new relationship. When should you have the conversation about money or should you have the conversation about money or is it taboo? What's your feeling on no, it? There definitely is. Um, the, the, the conversation has to be had, but it's not first aid stuff. Like, yeah. like you, you don't. The only thing that should be decided, and probably if you're clever about it, you should probably try and decide it in advance mm-hmm. of the first date. Who's going to pay? Okay. Like, who's going to pay for the meal or whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, is an interesting one because it can go so wrong, yeah. even though you think you're doing I right. I kind of just watch first dates, kind of. I, I find I've that fascinating. Like, I find it full cringe, so I do. Yeah. And this is coming from what I do, you know. Yeah. And, and you see, the thing about it is, is that I'm looking at it from a completely different eye. I'm looking at mm-hmm. it. And like, I remember one of them um, and they, they got on really well. And then he split. You know, I think he actually paid the bill and she said, no, I'm not. I'm not seeing him again because of that, because he paid the bill. Does he not think that I have my own independence, yeah. right? Whereas other people you would imagine say he didn't pay or she didn't agree to go 50-50 or like it's such a difficult one. And you know what? I'd love to be able to turn around and say, this is what you do. But there's no, yeah. this is what you do. There is no right or wrong. Absolutely. I, there, I have a radio answer and then I have a masterclass answer. So you'll have to listen to the masterclass <laughs> for the masterclass answer. But uh, no, really what I was trying to say to people is, look, you know, if you would like to meet them again, absolutely let them pay. I mean the gentleman. Um, but if you don't want to see them again, you know, do offer to pay. But if, you know, a lot of people now at this stage are, they're out for the night out. They kind of had, ex- you know, expected to or enjoy mm. the evening and they're happy enough. If you're meeting them for a second date, I definitely would offer to, to pay for the second date. Would be my feeling on it. that's not a cool way of kind of... Um what we do with the bill I'll pay for the next one is that not an yeah, easy way to throw it out there let's go again Like absolutely well you'll know the vibe when you're there already I think you should you know and I also think people get way too caught up about this like really does it matter like for most people they don't tend to go for dinner like let's face it this year they couldn't anyway <laughs> so if they're going for drinks or if they're going for a coffee or whatever like 
if they didn't pay for the coffee or if you paid for the coffee, like, oh my goodness, it's 10 euro. Are you yeah. going to decide your life's fate on this? Yeah. So this would be my feeling. What do you I, think would that be? Uh, sorry, I just think you need to try and bring it into the conversation. If it's something in your mind, you need to be bringing it into the conversation. And particularly yeah. if it's something that you're going to, if you're going to be the person who judges them in terms yeah. of what so they do. you do. think they should actually ask? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, who's, totally. Yeah. Who's paying? Yeah. Before you go Totally right. Well, not, not <laughs> Hi how are you Listen sit down there Before we order what, Who's going to pay No that's not what I mean Yeah yeah Okay I'm making sure Bring it Bring it But it's it, like it, it, The thing about it is, is If you don't get it right It can go so wrong Now I think yeah. we're also Making a bigger thing Of this than it actually is I really like, do think I so. really don't think People need to be That concerned no. about it It's just I'm a money guy so therefore yeah. it's something that I'm interested in but I think if you watch first dates and watch the next time you're watching first dates yeah. start looking at the way that interaction goes because I really concentrate on this and I think it's incredible to watch yes. the human behaviour around it as you get further into a relationship though okay you do need to talk about money I, and I, I really do believe that yeah. like I would say that if you want to talk and I'm kind of compared to something else if you want to talk to someone about their previous relationships mm-hmm that's on or off the cards depending on how you both feel about it. Yeah. It's not on or off the cards to talk about whether you're going to talk about financial history or not. Yeah. Okay. And we're talking about when you're getting serious with this. Okay. Yeah. When things are kind of looking, oh, we might buy a house together. All that stuff is starting to happen. You need to understand what their financial history is. I think you probably would have picked up some of their spending habits even in the initial stages of dating or even on date them telling you what they like to do for, we'll say, sports or hobbies or how they spe- spend their weekends. I think you kind of pick up a flavour for how they're whether they're spenders or savers but there definitely needs to be kind of a, a formal conversation yeah be careful about watching because it's the stuff from like people can change keep, 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 people can have a big financial event in their life like lose mm-hmm. their job or COVID happens or yeah, whatever okay. right and they completely change how they are around money mm-hmm. Um but it's sometimes it's stuff that happened five years ago that you're worried about. It's not ha- stuff that happened five weeks ago. And what okay. I'm talking about is you're falling in love, you buy a house, uh, you put the deposit down, you go for mm-hmm. the mortgage and the bank comes back and says, uh, you've got a problem with your financial history. There's something mm-hmm. on your credit record. And yeah. honestly, it's often the case where it was, you went off to Australia five years ago, you left the credit card at home and mammy never rang you to tell you that the credit card company are writing to you about this credit card that's about to be blow up on your credit history. Okay. And oftentimes you, the, the person who has left the credit card behind is totally shocked that they have a yeah. problem with their credit history. So you really need to know before that time what the financial history is like. Did you ever have a problem with credit in the past? Now don't say, did you ever have a yeah. problem? But the way to do this and the, the real little trick here is... Yeah. We are usually exactly the same or exactly opposite to our parents when it comes to money. I would believe that actually, yeah. Okay, so we would look at and observe our parents and say, I want to be like that. Or we look and observe our parents and I say, I, w- opposite, I do yeah. not want to be like that, right? Yeah. And it's interesting when you look at siblings, like if I look at my, I'm, I'm the youngest of four boys, right? And if I look, we all have a different relationship with money. We all have the same parents, right? Yeah, okay. So it's interesting to see how different people take different things out of us. But that's a nice little question, right? Just how are your parents like with money? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you will then see that they're exactly the same and they're the exactly opposite to that because yeah. you'll have picked it up from the earlier part of okay. it. Right. Perfect. And the other thing you can do is you can say, I was listening to this podcast and your man Al McGee was on it. And he said to me, 
you should go on to icb.ie yes. and centralcreditregister.ie. You need to do both. I think both. everybody should do that anyway. Yes, but you can, yeah. no, think about it, you're going home to your partner tonight. Okay, yeah. I was listening to this on the Lewis on the way home tonight yeah. and the only key says we should all do this and you yeah. said it too, right? We yeah. should all do this. And then you, you do this and what you and then, you, put, you just put in your name, your address, your date of birth, any previous addresses you have and in about, and it's free and in about 10 days time, you'll get a report out and you will now know what the banks know about you. Okay, so your full credit history will be there. And then in 10 days, you can sit down and have a glass of wine and share. Give us like, yours, there's mine. And now you know everything. We still there's can't no buy a house, but at least we have a clear, a clear search. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is that if you do find that there's a problem, maybe it's your problem, maybe it's their problem, yeah. but if there's a problem on your credit history, you are much better positioned to make sure it's not a bigger problem. If you, when you're applying for the mortgage, you go in and you say, I've had a problem in the past. Mm-hmm. This is why it happened. And this is why it won't happen again. Okay. Now, taking that approach is brilliant and you have a much better chance of getting it across the line than saying absolutely nothing and getting a phone call to say you had a problem in the past. Why didn't you tell us about it? So you need to be Being armed. proactive and, yes. and upfront. Yeah. And don't think that you're going to hide it. So say you do have a problem with your credit rating. What can you do? Yeah, well, first of all, it can be a mistake. Sometimes if something goes wrong or sometimes there's another Owen McGee out there and is just like Believe me, randomly. with matchmaking, the amount of people I have with the same names and even same age in the same part of Dublin is insane. <laughs> yeah, yes. Like we actually have to write full details on the on their profiles. So what I would say is, is if there is an error on it, you need to get in touch with the bank who made the error and ask them to correct it. Um, you can, there's a channel you can go through if it's not working. But if it's a genuine error, you, you, you can, it can be removed. Banks will often tell you, oh no, once it goes on the credit record, it can't be changed. It can. If they made a mistake, they can fix the mistake. So that's the first thing. But the, then the, the next thing about fixing it is, is it'll go away after five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you do need to be careful of is just be proactive. And if there was a specific reason, like if, I don't know, if you just, if somebody died or somebody, you, you went away and you, you just forgot about it and there was a reason or you lost your job and there was a reason why it happened, then the bank will be comfortable that it's not going to happen again, particularly if you're upfront about it. So don't stress, don't lose. I've, I've, there is nothing worse than the stress that people go through when they get told, yeah, you know that house you've a deposit on, you can't, we can't get the mortgage across the line. So you're much better off dealing with this stress now than later. Say when you're in a situation where they, I suppose your relationship's getting a little bit further on. Yes, you're kind of figuring out how they are with money and everything. How do you kind of broach the subject of we'll say next step you know you're kind of coming to the next step and what would I say you're going to be moving in together you're possibly like I, I always say that conversations need to be had before you move in together get engaged married babies all of those things say they're going to be moving in together and say he owns the house and she's going to be moving into into his house what conversation should they be having at that stage well the first thing that you if you're the person moving into their house whether it's his or hers but if you're the person who's moving in you are a renter. Okay. That's what you are, right? Yes. And the renting of the house, it, it, you, you don't have rights to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get married, different situation, but yeah. right there and then you could spend five years in that house and you will really struggle from any perspective to be treated as anything other than a renter. So yeah. just, and if you take that you, as a starting point. And should you be point, paying rent? Say if they say, look, you don't need to pay rent or whatever. Like what, from a financial point of view, overall, the entire conversation will say, you know, yeah. because there are situations where people like, look, you don't pay the rent, you pay the bills. Yeah, you can pay the rent, you can pay the bills. To me, like to me, you, it's it's what you're comfortable with and what you decide yeah. as a couple. Um, if if there's an intention there that 
you don't pay the rent and you save. Or Now, you could say, well, pay me 500 euros in rent or pay me 500 euros in bills. Does it really... Doesn't really matter. Like, financially, do it doesn't matter. Though, it might make a difference to you, though. Yeah, I think, personally, a conversation, like, from my own experience, um, I do think it's very important that people, when they have that conversation, say, look, if I am moving into your house, it's going to be our home, okay? Yes. So that if we do have an argument, because it has happened in the past. Get out of my um, house type stuff. Or it's like, this is my house situation, yeah. you know? So I do think a conversation needs to be had. If I'm moving into your house, it is going to be our home. Yeah. And regardless of what's being paid or, you know, mm. what it's for that is being paid, um, do you believe that, like, how much should the rent be? Like, some people say it should be half the mortgage. Some people got a really good mortgage, so their mortgage is very little. Well, like, is if, there a number? If you bring it back to tax, okay, right, and you bring it back to actual tax, yes. if you're getting a discount on half, if you're sharing a house 50-50 and you're getting a discount on half of mm. the market rent, okay. well, that's, that, that's actually seen as a gift, technically. Okay. Right? Now, in a couple, is it really ever going to come up? But that was, that if you were really black and white, yeah. that would be seen. So if, the, if half the rent is a thousand euros and you're paying 800, that means he, he or she is giving you a gift of 200 euros a month, even though you're not getting the cash. Okay. okay? That's really hard black and white from a tax perspective, okay. how it would work. I think that, like, if you think about the fact that you've no protection, right? And if, if, if I was just dealing with a client who was about to be the one who moved in with the person and yes. I had nothing to do with the other person, right, <laughs> who owns this house. Like, if you think about it, we might buy a house together in three or four or five years' time. You know what I'll do? I won't pay rent and I'll save a thousand euros a month for our house in my name that we're going to buy in five years' time to get. Do you know what I mean? So if you, yes. if you pull it back to what, how can I do something for us as a couple, but also protect myself financially? Now, also accept that you're then living there rent free. If, the, if, if things fall apart in three years' time and you head off with your savings, um, yeah. you, you are living there rent free. I just think it's really important. We just, I, I suppose, like you can't have a given that everybody, if they're even going to get married, it's going to be absolutely upfront. Mm. And I suppose we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Like, I think everybody needs to protect themselves that not everything is going to be rainbows and skipping into the sunset and everything. We need to just be very clear on our financial position like so I'll give you an example I gave up my job I gave up um, in fairness that's how Love HQ exists but I gave up my job moved two hours away to live in somebody else's house and of course the first fight we had the whole thing was this is my house you know um, and then you know I am definitely the sort of person that needs to be independent so of course I started setting up my own business and here we are five years later but what I would say is there's a lot of people and I've seen some of my friends that are not married and are moved locations and possibly just didn't look after their financial, mm. we'll say, independence. And I yeah. think that's really important. It's funny. I was on, um, I was doing a piece on the radio one evening and it was, um, it, there was a, a psychiatrist or a marriage counsellor or something on the other side mm. and it was kind of a panel discussion. And the, the idea of a runaway fund came up. So people aren't familiar. I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah, runaway fund is where, Absolutely. it's kind of an old school thing. There's a new name for it now, I'll give it to you in a second. But the runaway <laughs> fund was um, where, like, I don't know, it's like the real traditional 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. He came home from work at the end of the week, he gave you all the wages and you put some money aside for yourself to run away with, right? Yeah. It's now called a fuck off fund. It's oh yeah, called, actually I've called, heard that. Yeah, yeah. It's not called a runaway <laughs> fund at all anymore. But that is one of the ways in which you can just give yourself a little bit yeah. of security. It's funny, when I was doing the piece with, with the counsellor or the therapist or whatever, marriage counsellor, I started talking about the runaway fund and they were horrified. 
oh no like you shouldn't have this separate money that they they don't have access to and that Mm -hmm. you're going to run that and I was like no actually you know what I think think that's a real instilling your own independence and particularly and I think this is important like for example like I think about my brother actually comes into my mind for some reason before they were married he gave up he gave up a job to go back and study to do he's he's a psychiatric nurse now and she supported him financially throughout that they weren't married but they they're married now and they're together Mm -hmm. years but um they that was an interesting dynamic because she really exposed herself there do you know what i mean she exposed herself to pay all the rent and do all of that but in that scenario the thing that's really important is if one person is staying at home to mind kids or one person is staying at home the other person even though they're carrying all the costs they still need to give the person who has no income an income of their own. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. I think for independence, for... Everything. For everything, absolutely yeah. And everything. just, like, we are a unit, we are together, there's the money that you need to have, mm-hmm. this is how it's going to work. And, like, it's easier when you have kids. Like, the, the stats once a year come out, 45, 50,000 euros a year is what it costs to have a stay-at-home parent, right? If okay, you were to well, pay for all the, the jobs that they do, you'd pay them about 45, 50 grand a year. That's a much easier argument to have. Yeah. Um, but when it's it's when it's a bit earlier in the relationship, and if a decision is made for some reason that one person, for whatever life reason, is going to give up work and uh, and is not going to earn for a little while, having their own money, their money, and then being able to make their decisions around that money without any judgment is incredibly important. Very good. Okay, so say they're starting in right. So we were saying they are talking about moving in together. We're saying that they should make some level of contribution we we feel okay mm. and that but they should also have like their separate their financial situation a little bit separate do you think that they should create uh an account a household account or something or what way would you structure it we'll say if they are moving in okay so some couples will have one account that all of their money goes into and it's their joint account and everything goes in there and everything comes out of there and if they didn't have that they would absolutely separate they would not survive. Okay. Okay. Some couples wouldn't survive 10 minutes so with and- all the money going into the one account. Okay. Right. This, all of these things so come money back to- guru and a relationship coach here. Oh my yes. God. Yes. Brilliant. So you do need to have that conversation. You yeah. would see lots of variations of it. Sometimes you'll have your own account, your own account, two separate accounts, and then you'll have an account in the middle that the household stuff goes into and comes out of. Or, you know, the rent comes out of, the mortgage comes out of. Mm-hmm. That can work for a lot of people because it's kind of, that's our joint money that's our individual money and we still keep our independence and that's the way it is money is a horrible thing when it comes to relationships when a relationship's going well and particularly at the very start of a relationship you can create these kind of this is how it works and they're lovely at the start when everything is nice and lovely but they can start to grate on people and it's funny you might think that the person who pays for everything right they it's grating on them but it can also grate on the other side of things if you're yeah. the person who has things paid for for you right and uh, there's someone I, I'm thinking of in particular but I, I remember they were in re- they were on the receiving end of it oh, I want to go to this restaurant and they went and they and eventually that relationship broke down and the reason why the relationship broke down was because they felt that they weren't in a finan- one person was earning considerably more money than them yeah and they felt that they weren't able to contribute financially to their social life they had started their social life at a certain level. The person on the lower level of income couldn't keep up and then started saying, no, I don't want to go because they felt okay, uncomfortable yes. about being paid for. Yes. Right. And th- this is where the communication is so incredibly important, because if you don't get that communication right, you might just think that the person on the higher salary paying for everything is the one who's always going to get pissed off. It's not. It can also work the other way around that the person on the lower salary who's having everything paid for can keep up with the lifestyle and therefore starts to withdraw from the life. And yes. can cause other. 
I other problems. I see that sometimes. Like sometimes I say I go to match two clients, okay? And, uh, you know, we'll say in some instances, the guy might be extremely successful businessman. And he he says to me something like, I, it doesn't matter what they do for a living, they'll be well taken care of. And then I say to the lady, oh, I have a lovely gentleman. Like, he's you know, loaded. He's yeah, going to take care of everything. Know, he's a successful <laughs> businessman and everything like that. Sometimes they can say to me, no, to be honest, I, he just sounds like a, just a little bit too successful yeah, and sorry, you know if any lad says they're going to be taken care of he's a dick like no. come on <laughs> like seriously be, no, no but if he says they'll be well taken care of I'm rich I know rich. but you know come I, on, I, like, I know but fairness, they mean it in a nice way it doesn't matter how much they own like, I, you're just protecting your clients no, now no, you are I've only lovely clients <laughs> I do <laughs> but, but yeah. it, it is really important that you have that communication it's yes. really important that people understand what the boundaries are it's really yeah. important to understand are you comfortable with this yeah. there, was a, there was a piece of research actually and this is actually the research talked about how men feel about money and relationships I'm giving you a little bit of book number two I'm in the middle of writing book number two at the moment and in the relationship where men where it's 50-50 men can actually the statistics which are the research shows that where it's 50-50 it doesn't really it, it, it doesn't really fit for men men, yeah, okay. men are uncomfortable but when it goes to the woman paying for more than 60% of the stuff mm-hmm. They it can be a, like an absolute deal breaker for the man. Yeah, and they can feel I, I can understand this masculine energy. So it is. Um, you know, we, I often talk about masculine and feminine energy. Men like to be they will say stronger energy within the relationship. And in fairness, ladies like to be protected. Doesn't doesn't matter how successful she is. She wants to think that the guy she's dating is, will say bigger energy or you know is earning a little bit it, it's just the way people tend to like even when they talk to me they want to meet someone that's a guy wants to meet someone that's shorter and a lady wants to meet a guy that's taller it, it's kind of the same I suppose psychology Do you know what's gas though and you know what's changing at the moment is and it's changed and particularly I'm, I'm 20 plus years advising clients and I get a real insight into their finances and I understand what it is but uh, there's a friend of mine, I don't agree with what he says, right? Before anyone hammers me for this or gives out to you. I don't agree with that. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think he agrees with it. Okay. I think he just thinks it's funny. But anytime he sees a woman driving by in a nice car, he'll always turn to me and say, God, her husband must be doing really well. Ah! <laughs> but you know what's I really... just went car shopping on Saturday. <laughs> but the interesting <laughs> thing is the way the dynamic has shifted. In my 20 years of advising clients, yeah. it has become much more regular that the main earner is the female. It tends to be, yeah. Okay, like it has swapped around quite considerably. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. We haven't fixed wage inequality in in absolutely in, not in, nowhere near it. But there is a huge amount of ladies that are earning, uh, you know, yeah. a substantial amount of money. And one of the things is, is as that dynamic shifts, it, if if you have a couple where he was the main earner and her career takes off and she becomes the main earner, you have to be, re- you, you've just changed the goalposts there. The goalposts yeah. that were set in the foundation of the relationship have now just been changed. And you have to acknowledge that. You have to talk about it because otherwise it creates all the problems that were fixed at the start, that you were both really comfortable at the start. The dynamic has shifted. And and more so in the last year or so as people lost jobs for the first time. You might have been the main earner and COVID hit and you lost your job. And now all of a sudden the person who wasn't the main breadwinner has become the main breadwinner in the house. They've taken on all of that responsibility and the person who was the main breadwinner feels that they're not contributing in the same way. And these are times that relationships can really suffer because the dynamic has shifted financially and they need to talk about it. What do you think in, like, do you think, is there going to be, a, like, is there, can you come back from that is basically what I'm saying. You can if you communicate, totally. Okay. Like, sorry, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to, 
in a way you're starting again you're rewriting the rules of your relationship and if you don't if you have to rewrite the rules of your relationship that takes communication and the problem is is if there's if there's kind of fractures in the relationship already and you get a big shift like that it can completely destroy a relationship um so you just have to be careful money is one of those things in a relationship that can become a very easy physical manifestation of the other problems that are going on and a very easy target where I pay for everything, you pay for nothing, you never buy me nice things. It, it can and then be they buy something for themselves yes. or something and then yeah. it escalates. And okay. here's an interesting one actually when you think about it, right? If you're having that argument, you spend much more money than me. I know it's great. And again, I, I wish there was much more like male, male, female, female type research, but all the research is male, female, right? Yes. So the, this piece of research was really interesting. What it, what it looked at is who spends more money, men or women? Mm. Okay. And when you look at it over a longer period of time, okay. We actually spend around the same. Now, in general, what happens is, like you with your thousand euros of clothes, right? Yeah. Women tend returned. to buy, yeah. Women <laughs> tend to buy frequently lower ticket items, okay. less expensive stuff, and men then tend to buy big stuff, you know, gadgets okay. or whatever, yeah. right? And they tend to spend less frequently but much higher ticket okay. items, and that balance between the two, you you kind of, I remember. Um, it was actually with Kira Kelly on News Talk and I was talking about this and we were saying that it was girls or women come down with a new dress on, right? And you say, where'd you and get that? Years. Where, where'd you get that from? And say, I got that ages ago, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> and you're looking at it, you go, oh, you didn't. Like, or, or you did. And that's even a bigger problem because you've been hiding it for the last six months in the wardrobe, yeah. right? And But the reality is, is that because women come in all the time with a bag or the delivery man knows their name or whatever it is, you immediately assume they must be spending much more money, but they're not. So if you're a bloke listening to this, just keep your mouth shut because you probably lose the argument if, if your partner's listening to it too. Perfect. So Owen, overall then, are spenders and savers compatible? That's actually something interesting because if you look at what I do in private practice, um, we deal with people who have some money, right? And typically, not typically, but sometimes you could have a situation where you've got one of the couple who really, really worries about the long-term financial future mm-hmm. to the point, to the detriment of today, where they okay. will actually, oh, no, 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 we can't. How, why are we buying bread and milk today? We won't be able to buy bread and milk when we're 78, right? And, okay. and they, this can actually consume them and keep them awake, right? And then the other side of the couple, of the same couple might be, sure, let's just enjoy ourselves. We could be dead tomorrow type of an attitude, yes, right? Okay. And you've got an absolute... And they have no savings yeah. and they might not even have a roof over their yeah, head next and you've week. got okay. an absolute different dynamic, right? Um. On the bigger scale of things, like a good financial plan means that the long-term financial future is looked after so everyone can enjoy today. Whatever's left yeah. over, you can enjoy today, right? And that, that gets that dynamic shifted. But if we pull it back a bit more to just today, right? If you've got someone who's an avid spender and someone who's an avid saver, right? And they're yeah. trying to come together. What you have to do is you have to allow the other person to do what they like doing. Okay. But put restrictions on it, right? So you say, yeah, you know what? We have to get the balance right. So I have to be allowed to spend because if I don't, I'll be miserable and you won't like me very much, right? And you have to be allowed to save, but not so much that we can't enjoy today. And you put the limits on it. And by putting the limits, yeah, you're saving a thousand euros a month. You know what? We're going to save 800 euros a month and that 200 euros is going to be available for us to enjoy life together a little bit more because if you Mm -hmm. keep saving at that level and we don't have a life, it's not going to last. So it it is about getting the balance right between the two. 
and just being fair and recognizing that the other person does have the need to save and the other person does have the need to spend and it is a requirement to enjoy life and what's put the, the parameters in place before the argument basically totally yeah yeah and if not do it in secret okay so <laughs> um look a lot of the clients that come to me they're not all just single no baggage and we kind of when we talk about single people we very often tend to think of single people, no baggage, in their 30s, renting houses in Dublin and all that. But a lot of people that are coming to me, obviously, after going through a global pandemic uh, and being locked up with their now ex-spouses, we'll say, or ex-partners, it, they're in a very tricky situation. Like, what would you kind of advise them? Like, one of the, the biggest rule and the first rule on my matchmaking is I will only take people on that are no longer living with a partner or an ex-partner. Um, so if you lift that rule, I would say you get a whole point of influx I, of clients, We, we get a way. lot of phone calls, so we do. Yeah, absolutely. We even get some that they're not even broken up yet Why and what are their that? options. Why do you do that? Why do you exclude that whole pile of people who are just by circumstance stuck in a, in a house that they can't afford to Honestly, get out of? Honestly, because I always, when it comes to dating, I always think of what I would like if I was dating, okay? And realistically, I would not want to go on a date with somebody that is still living with their ex. I think it's really important because I don't know how as a relationship you can progress. People that are coming to me, they have been online dating, they have been doing everything. By the time they've come to me, they are ready to meet their person or they're very serious about finding long-term real love. So they definitely don't want to be meeting someone that's still living under the same roof. Possibly, now this is not one of the rules, but some people do say very specifically they don't want to meet someone unless they're completely divorced very often that tends to be solicitors because they're like I end up doing the divorce for them or they have done in the past but um, you know I think it is important I personally have dated somebody that is divorced that had two children at a particular time in my life and um, you know the reason I, I dated him was because okay he is divorced there, there is kind of a separate you know a separate mm. kind of feeling there however what I, what I didn't realise is that he was still giving her like 8,000 euro to upgrade her car or was you know still and was that part still, of the divorce agreement? No it wasn't and I suppose you know his kids were of teenage years and everything and, and I can understand that to me that shows that he's a very good father and mm. wants to take care of them still as a family unit but it is one of the things that I would that I do say that we don't take on people that are still living under the Yeah the, and I think the th- there's a whole cohort of people um, who and we saw we really saw it come to fruition after the global financial crisis in 2008 yeah. and a couple of years after that the money disappeared they were left looking at each other and they said we are not compatible without the money right yeah. and we cannot afford to move out because we can't afford to do anything else we're both stuck Negative in this house together was, yeah and yeah. we're stuck and Childcare there is thing. a whole group of people who are stuck in that cycle and can't mm-hmm. get out and yeah. I think that it's interesting that you don't take on people on that uh, who are in that position because if it's totally and utterly not their fault or they have yeah. no other options, I get it. I totally like. I, 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 I and I do, and I'm very. I must say, I you know, I am. What was I? Don't even know what the word is, but I just am very genuine. I believe in them genuinely. Mm. That you know that it's circumstantial, but I just unfortunately for the people, I have to take into consideration both parties yeah, and who, they're, who I'm setting them up with yeah. so it has to and be I know I get it like don't yeah. get me wrong I get why you would do it and it makes sense but if you are that person who's stuck in the house and you have you're living with your ex-partner um, the reality is it kind of comes back to what we started talking about in the mm-hmm. first place it comes back to the idea that you've got a trade-off here 
yeah. you, you mightn't be able to afford to live in Dublin or Galway or Cork, but you might be able to afford, I'm not going to mention places you might be able to afford. because Mullingar, where I'm from, yeah. <laughs> they'll be texting and giving out. But um, the thing about it is, is you, that might be the trade-off. Yeah. Can I rent anywhere? Yes. Not just can I rent here, but can I rent anywhere to try and move on with the next stage of my life? And that's a trade-off that you might have to get get to. And you might say, you know, and it might be a little bit easier right now with people working from home and that type of stuff to go somewhere else in the country that is cheaper to rent and that you can mm-hmm. actually get it. Because you can have, you'd have to imagine it's miserable being separated. And the two of you, miserable for both yeah, of you. Thank God, I've always yeah. been able to pack the car up. I'm <laughs> off, good luck, see ya. Actually, you had your fuck-off fund, did I you? I did have my fuck-off fund. And actually, I'll tell you, I broke up with Guy um, a few years ago Jesus, on a Sunday evening. listen to this stuff? Like, no, God, love no. them. And do you know what, if they do, if my, they might learn some stuff, which <laughs> led them along the way. But I broke up with one guy on a Sunday evening and he was like, you know, it was pretty, it was aggressive. I was after catching him doing something he shouldn't. It wasn't cheating, but it was other stuff. But anyway, um, I broke up with him on a Sunday evening. <laughs> <laughs> he blocked me on all social media so I just said right that's grand except for Instagram and on Thursday of the same week my first story up was me in New York shopping so that's a good fuck off one <laughs> <laughs> and it was a big fuck off too <laughs> but there we go yeah and look that's one way of doing it yeah, if anybody wants you know, tips lovehq.ie <laughs> everyone listening to this and everyone in this room right now wants to know what he was doing <laughs> they have a whole series of podcast stories of my dating life to enjoy as well but that's what this is it's all about your dating life it's deadly <laughs> But you that's see, we, come, mine, come and learn from, learn from my mistakes. <laughs> that's it. That's what my masterclass is about, actually. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, look, we're, we're, I don't know where... Oh, sorry. People who are stuck living at home. People, so what can they do? What like, you know, do? where well, do you they can, even you can, start? You can move somewhere else. That's, okay. the, that's the, the obvious one. If you can't afford yeah. to rent where you're living, maybe you need to move somewhere else. If there's kids involved, that can get incredibly difficult yeah. um, because your access becomes even more difficult to achieve. Mm-hmm. And generally, Do you think, is it better for both people? Like financially, I'm, just, I'm sure you've been involved in the middle. Mm. Do you think they'd be just better off to, whether it's a case of, because one person's going to want to live in the big family home and the other person's going to want, is going to be, mm. be kind of pushed out to a renting situation. Yeah. Would they be better off to get rid of the family home and maybe both rent and rent out, you know, and rent out the family home or... Uh, like I've do. seen loads of different connotations of what yeah. you do here, right? One of them would be um, we rent a one bedroom apartment and on my week with the kids, I live with the kids in the house here. And on your week, then we swap over you. We swap the apartment and we did. Oh I'm going to be honest with you. That, no, like there's I'm been lots of different things no. or, yeah. or you live in the one bedroom apartment. And then on the nights of your access, I'll stay in my bedroom and you come back to the house and look after the kids. Mm-hmm. Like all of these things think they, they are sounding amicable and they're going to work they don't last long term and any time yeah. I've seen it with different clients it's always been yeah we thought this was going to work we thought we were going to be able to do this but is that not like taking two steps forward one step back psychologically that would be my feeling you know when yeah. you break up with someone be, you know it does there's going to be that like kind of grey area for a few weeks but just be done yeah and I do think that it depends how complicated the breakup was depends on if this kid's involved depends mm-hmm. what the situation is and what I would say is is that I think the simplest is is you have your place and they have mm-hmm. their place if you have to stay connected at all. Now, if there's no kids, you don't. You just, you, you go off and you do your own thing. Yeah. And if there's a house involved, you either you sell the house or you... Um, you sell the house or someone agrees to buy the other person out. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes that's not financially viable yet, but there's an agreement in place that that's, gonna, well, that's what's going to happen. People need to remember if you're in a relationship that breaks up and this is, this is if, I'm, I'm only saying this for people who are going dating somebody who's in, who has a previous relationship that they're still connected yes. to financially. Understand that the bank right now, if, if the person has 
a mortgage with their ex-partner. Mm-hmm. The bank has a 200% guarantee on that. They have 100% on the ex-partner and the 100% on your new boyfriend or new, your new yes. girlfriend. They don't give that up easily because you're yeah. both 100% responsible to pay back the entire mortgage. Mm-hmm. So the bank will really struggle. It's not like um, I've been paying it every month for the last 20 years. If you can't afford that mortgage on your own, you're not getting the mortgage off the bank. Yes, if okay. you're in negative equity, the bank are not going to entertain you. They are happy with the current situation, even if you're miserable with it. So just be aware that, just be have a bit of understanding that if the, if the person you're seeing, the new person in your life, and you're starting to see things are going well, and it feels like there's a whole pile of financial connections to the person, it might not be their fault. Okay. And just be allow for that. Okay, so just be human about the whole thing, really. And yeah. overall, are you better off to be single, financially better off to be single or married? So I, I think what, what you're asking me is, is if yeah. I, if you're in a couple, does it make any difference if you get married? Right? Yeah. yeah, does it make any financial difference? Yeah, because people are leaving it off later or not getting married or whatever. What's the financial difference of being single Absolutely. or actually getting married? It makes a massive difference. Okay. Like it makes a huge difference being married because we live in an archaic system. Our tax system is archaic. The, the legal system, everything is around the married people with children scenario. And yeah. there's lots of research out there that says, actually, as a society, we want to move this. But government aren't doing anything about the legislation and the big things are like the big things that people would be surprised about is if you buy a house with your partner that you're not married to and you buy a house and if they die particularly if they die in the first three years and there's reasons we won't get into right why, why it's different after three years but if they die in the first three years potentially their half of the house the mortgage mortgage protection clears <laughs> off the mortgage their half of the house is now a gift to you and you could have you could have to pay inheritance tax on the gift that you've got from your dead partner just to, to stay in the house yeah just to stay in the house and you're going to have to raise money to clear off that tax bill and you usually have to do it within six months of them dying right this is the person who you've committed to that you bought a house with and you're not recognized by the tax system as being your partner yeah okay that's a big one and it makes a big difference i think as well a lot of people think that that'll never happen then but actually i have a huge amount of people in their 20s 30s 40s that have come to me that they are widowed yep. they have their partner has died so yep. you know it's very easy to think it happens to other people but honestly we know none of us know what's going to happen on any given day so we do need to be protected yeah and that's the that's the bigger some of the bigger stuff and yes. then even death like just dying forget about the mortgage or anything else if they leave you money you're a stranger to them yeah okay. and you you can't they can't leave you money okay. um, well they can leave you money but you're going to pay tax on it even the way you set up life cover if you're not a married couple is different to the way you set up life cover if you're you, if you're if you're a married you ensure couple. each other's lives as opposed yeah, to absolutely yeah. okay and the and there's a whole pile of complications then there's the simpler stuff like the tax system like how much income tax you pay is geared towards it used to be a thing um that any tax credits you weren't using, you could give them all to your partner if you were married, okay? Yes. Then Charlie McCreevy came in and said, oh, we want to encourage people back into the workforce. So if you're not using all your tax credits, you can't give them all, but you can give some of them, okay? okay. But if you have a couple and one of them, if you're both earning, as a married couple, if you're both earning over 40,000 euros a year, roughly, and I'm, I'm rounding the numbers, if you're earning over 40 grand a year, it doesn't really matter if you're jointly assessed or okay. not. But if you have one couple earning significantly less than 40,000 euros a year, they, they will be able to give some of their credits to their partner. But that would if have been married. yeah, but that might have been a, a, obviously a huge topic this like in the last year. If someone has gone down on three hundred and fifty euros, mm. you know, if they're on the 
the PUP payment yeah. now like they'll have to review that obviously come January or mm. could already have reviewed it for last year or then as well if there's couples that maybe didn't get married and had a baby and she goes out on maternity leave or something yeah. like that all those things can be reviewed yeah could be reviewed if you were married but obviously not if you're not and married you, you, there's no sharing of your tax credits doesn't matter what wage you're on there's no sharing of your tax credits if you're not married okay. full stop and the, the thing about it is is that I had a couple once and they were private clients and they came to me. It was kind of, it was in August and they were a year away from their wedding. And they said, um, you see, if you get whatever year you get married in, you, you, you get the tax benefits of being together. Then. Okay, for the full year. Yeah. And, they, right. and they said, um, do you think we should just like get married on the sly now just to get the tax benefits this year? <laughs> and then like... we just turn up to the wedding next year and don't tell anyone that we're actually really <laughs> married. And I just went, are you... Like I actually was shocked. Is he joking? Like how romantic is that? Not like that. That's yeah. terrible. And and you're going to stand <laughs> up in front of like, in front of the revenue. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to turn up in front of everybody that you love and your friends and your family and pretend to get married. And you're going to cod everyone into it for what? For a bit of tax benefit? Like. Don't get me wrong. The tax system works in favour. Maybe of you they didn't married. know that they were getting married at the time, like other uh, princes and princesses in other countries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I just thought it was the most unromantic tax dodge it's I've ever ridiculous. seen. Yeah, it but is then ridiculous. it's funny you can see other things. Like I love that story about like when you are married, everything you own on death can be passed, or even in, in during life, you can give anything to your spouse, and there's no tax implications, whether you're alive or whether you're dead. But then we have the other stories where we have like heterosexual couples or sorry not heterosexual two heterosexual men get married to each other because one of them is dying yeah in I order saw to pass. that I thought yeah. that was genius actually yeah. and it is and, and it's, they were right to do it it's that's something like my granddad would do he's 93 yeah. next month but he would do something like that yeah. just to yeah and it, it is it. it's just it, the tax system the legal system everything is geared up like we talked about it earlier on like you buy you move in and you rent you have no protection if you're married it must be different and that's a legal thing but it becomes different then um, everything is designed and a society has moved on from that and mm-hmm. I can't remember it was either 73% or 83% of people surveyed said that the system should be changed to recognise couples who are in a long-term relationship together. And the tax system and in particular should be changed. It's, a, it's an absolute minefield as to where you can get caught out. But it's easy enough to just to say, if you're married, you have much more protection and the tax system works in your favour. So love really should lead to Con- marriage. Love conquers tax. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yeah. Another great reason to contact us. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, so look, Owen, if people would like to meet with you or, you know, meet, you date me like. <laughs> I mean, careful now. Careful now, I'm sure. If anybody would like to do- date Owen McGee, give us a shout. But, um, you know, if anybody would like financial advice from you, where can they contact you? I think the best place, the most accessible is Instagram. So, so own underscore McGee, E-O-I-N and M-C-G-E-E. Um, Instagram, put lots of stuff up there, lots of interaction up there and people seem to like it for some reason. And also I'm sure there's a lot of my clients as well that are looking at getting mortgages or possibly planning on getting mortgages and want to look at their finances as a whole. They can talk to you about all of those things, can they? Yes, absolutely. And I have a private practice. We deal with a certain number of clients, with a certain type of client. If people are interested, have a look at Prosper Study. Would you be giving a single male or female client advice then to possibly come to a matchmaker in order to get them to find love to save money on their tax? It depends how expensive they are and if the tax benefit is going to write off the cost of Of course it will, of course it will. We'd look after all that.